This is The Saucer Life, exploring the history and lore of flying saucers. I'm Aaron Gullius. The Saucer Life is a podcast in which we explore concepts, events, and people from the world of flying saucers. No guests, no preconceptions, no snark, no belief, no debunking. This is Encounter 104, Read These Books. This week I'm going to give you some marching orders. I've got four books that you need to read in order, in order to have sufficient knowledge to confuse and amuse people at dinner parties, workplace meetings, church socials, family gatherings, wherever you go. Also, through these books, you'll gain the type of understanding that you can't get from the usual surveys of UFOs or pretty much any paranormal program on cable TV. All four of the books I'm going to discuss are classics, or would be considered so if there's any sense in the world. But they're not necessarily all the most popular or the most discussed. They're also enjoyable to read and reread. And I have to admit that I'm running behind on recording this installment because it took me longer to reread these books than I anticipated. I'll be going in order of publication, and the first one up is probably the most widely known. Messengers of Deception, UFO Contact and Cults by astrophysicist and computer science Jacques Vallée was first published in 1979, with a mass-market paperback appearing about a year later. Vallée's approach to flying saucers had always been, and has always been, at an interesting angle to the traditional view of UFOs being structured craft from somewhere else, either extraterrestrial or the product of secretive human endeavors. In his writings during the 1970s, Vallée discussed links between flying saucer and alien encounter tales, to much older stories of fairy visitations and other supernatural events. He wasn't the first or only one to do this. Uh, John Keel, for example, was another writer who focused on flying saucers and their supposed occupants as one aspect of a broad spectrum of weirdness. I'm vastly simplifying these men's ideas, but that's the general idea. Messengers of Deception appeared during a rise in the number and prominence of so-called UFO cults, and cults of all types. In the preface to the paperback edition, Vallee very conveniently summarizes the thesis of the book. One, unidentified flying objects operate according to an understanding of our universe that transcends ordinary space-time physics. If we are living in an associative universe, as I am suggesting, then we must expect such paranormal effects possibly triggered by and accessible to human consciousness. This would explain both the impossible movements of UFOs and the psychological phenomena of contact. 2. The main effect of UFOs on their witnesses is a conditioning process. Through exposure to its powerful imagery, man appears to be acquiring new forms of behavior and new models of his relationship to the world of nature. Although the source of this conditioning seems to be a technology, the actual mechanism still eludes us. Whether or not it is controlled by human beings is an open question. 3. The social process caused by the belief in the phenomenon takes the form of new sects, movements, and contact cults. Close observation of these cults shows that they are monitored and in some cases deliberately manipulated by occult groups, government organizations, and extremist political movements. What I like about the approach outlined in the summary, and he expands upon it with great examples and illustrations throughout the book, is that he, he's doing two very important things here, I think. 
First, he recognizes the fundamental weirdness of the phenomenon itself. Whether these are sightings of supposed craft or encounters with strange beings or entities, it's all very strange. Second, he recognizes the tangible social and cultural effects of assigning and acting on beliefs in these phenomenon and encounters. Fali does a great job of explaining the human role and human impact of the emerging belief systems. The implications of shadowy elements using these beliefs to manipulate those believers is just icing on the cake. Valet does a great job in here, in the, the entire book, of revealing not just that uh, there are these sinister UFO cults that are sort of sort of taking people away from their families and loved ones and, and jobs and everything on, on, on very little evidence of act, anything actually happening but that there might be some sort of broader ulterior motive to all this. And he, uh, in the book, he describes these meetings with, uh, with, with a military intelligence figure that in the preface to the paperback version, he acknowledges is a complete fabrication on his part, but is based on things that he's, he's heard and he, he honestly believes are true. So he, he creates some, some sort of pseudo fictional elements that have elements of what elements in themselves of what he maintains are true things. It's a very multi-layered book. It's fun to read. There's a lot of great stories and great personalities in it. And the notion of, of you know, UFO cults and belief systems is a nice segue to the next book. It's called The Gods Have Landed, New Religions from Other Worlds, and it's edited by James Lewis. The Gods Have Landed is a collection of scholarly essays on the religious aspects of flying saucer belief. It was published in 1995 by the State University of New York Press and contains 10 essays with titles like Religious Dimensions of the UFO Abduction Experience and Waiting for the Ships, Disillusionment and the Revitalization of Faith in Bo and Peep's UFO Cult. Bo and Peep and their cult also show up in Messengers of Deception. And we probably all know Bo better as a man named Marshall Applewhite, who, along with a group of his uh, called the Heaven's Gate Cult, committed mass suicide in 1997, two years after this book appeared. The chapter about Bo and Peep was written by um, a, a guy named Robert Balk, who infiltrated Applewhite's cult in the 1970s. Uh, John Saliba's essay, UFO Contact Phenomenon from a socio I can't say it, from a socio-psychological perspective, is a good overview of sociological and psychological studies of contactee stories. There really is a comp and there's a really comprehensive bibliography of contactee literature that closes out the book. It's a great example of um, of what scholars have been doing, started really started to do with with flying saucer belief as a cultural phenomenon in the 1980s and 90s. Next up, we have a very fun book called Shockingly Close to the Truth, Confessions of a Grave-Robbing grave Ufologist by James Mosley and Carl Flock. This is basically James Mosley's memoir, um, co-written with Flock and published in 2002. Mosley began covering the saucer scene back in the early 1950s with a, a magazine called Nexus and then other newsletters culminating in Saucer Smear which he published until his death in 2012 at age 81. Although this is a memoir, it's also a pretty darn thorough history of the flying saucer story in American history. 
albeit filtered through one man's interests and experiences. One of the best aspects about the book are the numerous stories about long-departed figures from the field from its earliest days, including his best friend, Gray Barker. That, uh, that means three out of four episodes we've had so far have had some Gray Barker mentions, so that's good. We'll keep it going. One can quibble that there are some swaths of UFO history that get shortchanged, but uh, as Mosley always sort of sort of argued, the personalities are the most important part of the flying saucer field, and this book has almost more personalities than I can keep track of. It's an invaluable resource for understanding some of the behind-the-scenes aspects of the early days of, of flying saucers and, and, in quotes, UFO research in the United States. And um, in his introduction, there are, um, there's a great line that, uh, that Mosley has that we should all keep in mind as we look at these subjects. He says, just remember, in a thousand years, none of this will make any difference. Probably. Finally, our fourth book today is The Crypto-Terrestrials, A Meditation on Indigenous Humanoids and the Aliens Among Us by Mac Tonys. It was published posthumously in 2010. Mac is different from the other writers here in that I was um, online pals with him and communicated with him from time to time. He was one of the first of the UFO writers who really got their start in, um, in the internet, I don't want to say scene, the internet scene through blogging and other online venues. That's where he got to start writing, not the fanzines of the, uh, the 90s, uh, the UFO zines of the 90s, or the you know, big saucer organization newsletters of the 70s and, and 80s. He got his start writing on the internet. The Crypto-Terrestrials is a book that explores a very simple but bewildering idea that the aliens, in quotes, the aliens might not be from outer space. They might be, Mac explains, a parallel sentient human-like species that has evolved among us here on Earth. The hypothesis put forth here argues that some UFOs are in fact real vehicles, but were not under siege by anthropomorphic ETs or goblins from hyperspace. The beings behind the curtain are eminently tangible. They insinuate themselves into our ontological context, not to confuse us, but to camouflage themselves. The UFO spectacle takes on the flavor of myth because it wants to be discounted. At the same time, knowing that their activities are bound to be seen at least occasionally, the occupants deliberately infuse their appearance with what we might expect of genuine extraterrestrial travelers. It's a formidable disguise, but it can be pierced. Around this idea, Mac weaves a number of references to folklore, alien abduction tales, and accounts of first-hand encounters that may not convince you of his theory, but certainly make you think a bit. Importantly, it's clear that Mac saw these ideas not as the culmination of all of his thinking about alien life and UFOs, but rather as a starting point for further speculation. Sadly, Mac died suddenly at age 34 in October 2009. He was just a few weeks older than I am, and I can't help but feel that we as readers were cheated out of decades of brilliance even if his future output had not really dealt with flying saucers, but with 
technology, science fiction, art, design, music, space exploration, or any of the other dozens of subjects about which he knew so much and could write so well. It all would have been just vastly interesting. As it stands, we do have the Crypto Terrestrials and, and his other major book, After the Martian Apocalypse, in which he makes things like the face on Mars actually interesting. And we also have two imprint collections of his online writings edited by uh, Paul Kimball, um, Posthuman Blues, Volumes 1 and 2. If you don't know his work, check it out. So these books are all very different, uh, but each is valuable for a specific viewpoint. Mosley's memoir provides crucial pieces of background to the early UFO years. Messengers of Deception exposes the dangers of the increasingly, at that time, cult-like belief systems that surrounded some aspects of, of UFO culture. Lewis's collection of scholarly essays illustrates that even if physicists and astronomers weren't paying a huge amount of attention to flying saucers, that academics in the social sciences and humanities were starting to find a treasure trove of topics to investigate. Finally, the crypto... <laughs> sorry. Finally, the crypto-terrestrials launched, to my mind, and this may not make sense, a forward-looking return to the wilder speculation of writers like Valet and John Keel. These books may not all be your cup of tea, but I think they're each good touchstones for the variety of ways one can cope with the saucer life. We'll be doing another Read These Books segment down the road, but next time, it's the first part of our epic two-part Season 1 finale. In Encounters 105 and 106, we'll meet the contactees, strange beings from our planet who claim to have interactions with strange beings from other planets. In the meantime, thanks for listening. You can follow along with us at saucerlife.wordpress.com and on Twitter at saucerlife. Or you can email us at thesaucerlife, all one word, at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate your feedback, so get in touch. If you could rate and review The Saucer Life on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else, that would be great. Sharing and re retweeting are also much appreciated. The Saucer Life is a Chizo Media production. And until next time, keep watching the skies, because the skies are watching you. It may be